Is your business advertising on the hottest marketing channel of 2023? Create a podcast advertising campaign in a matter of minutes and reach more than 92,000 shows only available to buy through Acast, including huge hits like WTF with Mark Marin, On Affairs is Unqualified, and top publishers like the BBC and The Economist. With Acast's self-serve ad platform, you can take advantage of our exclusive content and reach a captive audience no matter where they're listening. From selecting your target audience to creating and launching your campaign, Acast platform makes it easy to connect with listeners all in one place. Have your business heard on the world's most premium podcast network. Visit go.acast.com slash advertise. I didn't come here to podcast. I came here to bust people's asses. Plus, an injury forces a heavy hitter to head home. We're diving deep into that beautiful cenote. The King's Palace is a party, and TJ's got a twist for these all-stars. A brutal elimination sees this podcaster's favorite challenger heading home, and John A. still has yet to figure out how to properly mount that floaty flamingo. It's the Challenge All-Stars 2 Episode 6 recap coming up right now. Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very much for being here with us today. On today's podcast, we are chatting about all things All-Stars 2, Episode 6. We've entered the back half of the show. We've entered the pairs portion of the show. Twist there from TJ. We've got a brutal elimination, an injury DQ, and a whole bunch more to talk about. Plans for today's pod, same as it has been for most of this season of All-Stars. We will start with Cliff Notes recap up first, then walk through some of the biggest storylines of the episode, follow that up with awards for best fit, best quote, best moment, episode MVP, and finish up by updating our power rankings in season-long predictions. As always, thank you so much for being here, listening to this podcast. It does truly mean the world to me. Anyone that listens to these musings on the world's best reality competition show, in my opinion, my humble opinion, uh, thank you for doing so. Make sure you've hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you are listening or watching so that you don't miss an episode. And also, big thank you to allowing this podcast to be a slight bit later this week, a day later than normal. I... Couldn't help myself. I had to go to the very, 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 very first possible showing of the new Spider-Man movie yesterday, which is right smack when I would normally have been uh, recording and uh, producing and put it, posting this podcast. So thanks for waiting on the delay. It's been a huge week in the world of reality television. So maybe you haven't been, maybe you aren't caught up either, and it, this isn't an issue for you in any single way. But between Survivor finale, Challenge finale, All Stars back half starting. All kinds of crazy stuff going on. So, thank you for being here with that. Let's get right on into it with that Cliff Notes recap. All right. So, another action packed episode, as they all tend to be at this point. They really do a great job on the edit of this show. Of, you know, they stick to the, you know, got the house, we got the daily, we got the house, we got the arena all in about a tight 40 minutes or so, but they really do a good job of breaking up and only showing us the really the really pertinent stuff, but still mixing in some of those fun little moments like the John A trying to get on a floaty flamingo that make All-Stars so great and these people so wonderful to hang out with and spend time with. So here's everything that happened as fast as possible. All of the plot points of this episode, episode six of All-Stars 2 in three, two, one, and we are off. Tech Melinda and the whole King's Palace Alliance slash bedroom is a dancing and a celebrating their two victories and eliminations. Now called maybe the four horse people or three kings and a queen or something like that. Probably just King's Palace. They're just going to stick with that even with Melinda joining the fold. Then Tyler and Janelle have a chat before a heavy rainstorm cuts in short. Jasmine and Ayana try to help Jeanne figure out how to work a flamingo floaty and Kendall calls home to chat with her three adorable children. Off to a daily challenge they go called Deep Dive. In pairs, they have to jump 30 feet down into the cenote. Back at the cenote, if they would choose, they can go down to the 15-foot, use a little time. Each person has to then swim down 15 feet underwater twice to get puzzle pieces out of a treasure chest. Once you've got all four bags of pieces, you can climb out and up to where the puzzle is put together. Fastest to get the puzzle done wins. Slowest is going straight to the arena. 
Everyone jumps. Everyone gets the pieces. Everyone finishes the puzzle. A much more impressive outing from this group of all-stars than previous dailies on the season. But after struggling with the puzzle, it is Tyler and Jasmine that are headed to the arena and Brad and Jody that are once again in power. After they finish, TJ then reveals a twist. The partners they have chosen for that day are now their partners for the entire rest of the game. For some, this is wonderful. For others, not so thrilled. Back of the house, Brad and Jody force the life shields to be played and the votes to be burned so that they can get the numbers going against Kendall and Letarian, who they plan to throw in, and the house backs them up. Before that can happen, though, Kendall heads to the hospital. She was injured upon jumping in the water that day and needs to get her ribs checked out. At the arena, we find out, unfortunately, Kendall has been medically DQ'd, which, fortunately for Jasmine, means that the women are safe for the night. No others will be going home. It'll just be a boys-only elimination between Letarian and Tyler facing off in pole wrestle. And boy, is it brutal. It almost always is, but this one certainly was way up there. Letarian does Letarian things and slams Tyler into the ground a bunch. A monster effort from both sides leads to ultimately Tyler taking the loss, heading home in the King's Palace, rejoicing in victory once again. Whew. All right, let's dive into some of the storylines of the episode then a little more in depth here. And the only, really only the place to start uh, talking about this episode is where they both started and ended the episode, and that is with the King's Palace, or the the four horse people, or the three kings and a queen, whatever that bedroom has decided to call themselves. It seems by the end of the episode, Melinda's pretty comfortable with still just calling it the King's Palace, so that's what we'll continue to refer to it as, but the episode starts with, you know, last week, it was made clear, you know, it's Letarian Tech and Nehemiah for sure, and then they thought Steve and Melinda were a part of it because they were in their bedroom and they were going to protect anyone that they were sleeping in the same room as, uh, and turned out Steve wasn't quite thinking 100% with them. They get rid of him, or well, they beat Tech beats him uh, in an elimination and send him home. So when they come back in, it is very clear right away. They do the little dance, they do the little champagne toast. There is a lot of breaking of the fourth wall, um, which is somewhat of a new thing for sure on the show. Um, you know, they're obviously always aware of the cameras there and we as fans, you know, you can kind of, if you actually think about it and everything that you're seeing, they do a damn good job of trying to not have, you know, production or camera people in the background of shots, but you realize, well, like they are in a small bedroom and the camera is right up there. So like there's a cameraman standing three feet away from them in this moment of worst case, you know, in the doorway, 10 feet away. Um, but they, they, you know, turn and talk directly to the camera, uh, which is again, uh, kind of a new, new ish thing to have that kind of level of fourth wall breaking. Um, but they're all partying Melinda, very clearly a part of this Alliance. Now, if she wasn't before, she is a hundred percent. Now the four of them are sticking together and they've just, they're now on three elimination wins for the season. They would add a fourth by the end of the episode with Letarian getting a win. And we will talk a little bit later when we talk about the pairs, um, who was helped and who was hurt by the new, the twist in the game as far as alliances. But I think they definitely, you know, for them, a good episode for the King's Palace as far as, you know, Tyler goes home and Kendall goes home. Neither of those people were working with them in any way. And at, you know, worst case, we're working with the kind of alliance that's building against them. Um, and best case was just not working with them. So either way, they had a successful episode and are still very much, you know, they're they're putting it in people's faces. Everyone knows these four are working together. They don't care. They're having fun celebrating it. And they got some dance moves. Loved, loved the opening, how excited they were. And you gotta be, if you're if you're coming back to All Stars at this point in your life, coming back and doing challenges, like you win an elimination, even if it's your Melinda and you're like, I didn't actually have to win my elimination. The other person kind of quit, but I don't care. I got sent to elimination and I'm still here at the end of the night. Like do a champagne toast, dance a little bit, celebrate, have fun. Um, so enjoyed seeing that. Then we've got to talk about Kendall. Kendall was definitely uh, one of the stars of the episode and eventually, you know, would go home with the medical DQ. We start the episode off 
getting her getting to call home, which as always, we will pose the question, how often in what circumstances allow these people to be able to do the Zoom calls? Are they, you know, the ones like Kendall who have a bunch, you know, a bunch of kids running around at home? Are they, are they doing a Zoom call every day? Are they doing, uh, you know, how, how is that handled? I wish, I wish we knew. I'm sure if I did a, a little bit better job of listening to all of the podcasts out there, someone somewhere would let this slip of how much of that is allowed, but she gets to call home. It is completely and utterly adorable. She's talking to her three boys. We find out there's kind of, there was a, an interesting moment in their conversation where she starts or what we see at least of the start of it is her telling them one in particular, who's I apologize. Uh, I did not write down his name. I think it might've been Cooper, but the eight year old, I remember that he's eight. Uh, but the oldest one, Kendall tells him, you know, Hey, guess what I did today? I swam in the pool and I held my breath and swam to one side and all the way back in one breath. And at first you're kind of like, at least me watching, I was like, um, that's, you know, like an interesting thing to lead the conversation with your eight year old about. Um, but then it is clarified a little more when we find out Cooper who again, sorry if I'm getting your name wrong, little guy, uh, but is her, is her new trainer. And she is, you know, pretty fearful of being underwater. And so he has been helping her with that. And then the comment of, you know, the accomplishment she had makes much more sense and becomes, goes from like, ah, it was an odd thing to say to, oh my God, this is adorable. And I'm not crying. You're crying. Um, so that was super cute. And then we get to the mission and, she jumps in into the cenote 30 feet up and lands on her side and uh, is clearly hurt right away. And I, after the end of the episode, we, you know, she gets hurt in the moment and she's clearly hurt. They comment on it multiple times. She's not really moving. She's just kind of making some noises and like chilling for a minute. And then she eventually does swim down and do it. And they, they finish the whole thing. And at that point you're like, okay, she's fine because, uh, and you know, she, you know, took a bad fall, breath knocked out of her, whatever, but got her stuff together and pulled off, did the whole thing and she's good to go. And then when we later find out that she, uh, has some sort of condition that allows, she says at some point to the effect of has constant, um, you know, muscles or bones popping out of place, dislocations, things of that nature, uh, that she has a muscle tissue, um, something or other, uh, that makes for very susceptible to stuff like this, which makes me think you, uh, super duper brave of you to be on this style of show where you are constantly, uh, this is not the first time you've jumped in the water from that high up. This is not the first time you've gotten in very physical, uh, physical demanding challenges and eliminations and things in your challenge pass. So, uh, unbelievable that she's even doing these shows in the first place with that being the case. But even more so, once we find out that she has legit like bad rib injuries and is medically disqualified, the fact that she in that water in that moment was able to swim down 15 feet, which is way deeper than people give credit for. Every time they say that, I'm like blown away. And it's like, oh, 15 feet, that doesn't, maybe doesn't sound like much to a lot of people. Maybe I'm just, I'm a real baby about, I can, I have no problem being underwater, but I, can't go very deep underwater. I have really sensitive ears. The pressure is, uh, gets a lot. So for me going down 15 feet, not a walk in the park, not enjoyable. And for her to do that with messed up ribs where her breath is, is not, you know, at where it needs to be, to be doing something like that for her to finish the whole thing. She is an absolute warrior. Very, very impressive. Very, very, uh, just, uh, unbelievable front stuff from her. And, she does then eventually, you know, get DQ'd. Uh, it had to be to some degree talked into, convinced, like, yeah, you should probably, like, if you think you're legit hurt like that, like, you should go get it looked at because, like, there's only bad outcomes if you don't, kind of thing. <laughs> like, there's a very, very small chance that everything's totally fine, but it, it doesn't seem like it is. So, like, go get it looked at. She goes home, very, very sad. She, you know, came into All Stars One as a one and done champion had a good run there, was kind of one of the dominating physical threats of that game, and then got eliminated late in the big upset with her and Nehemiah losing to Easy and Yusela. Comes into this one, and you know we've had her one or two in the power rankings the whole time through. She, along with Jody, who she was kind of partnered up and working with, 
were definitely, you know, physically, and I'll throw Janelle in as the trio of them are kind of separating themselves on a, on physically. Um, there's a, you know, divide we've talked about before and we'll continue to talk about throughout the season in those that are a little more in game shape than the others at this point. And it's on the men's side, it's on the female side. And she was definitely one of those above the line, uh, ready to go for this. And so for the rest of the women in the house, you know, you're sad that your friend and this lovely, wonderful person, this warrior is sent home medically, but you're also a little bit relieved that you don't have to face her anymore. And if you're Jody, you're, you know, you're heartbroken that you're kind of number one ally and your best buddy in the house is going home. But also like, yeah, the path is very clear for Jody to get the win here now. So, uh, you know, we'll say our goodbyes to Kendall, uh, bummer that she gets sent home in this way. Hope she is doing fully okay. Hope, uh, she's got, she's back to training with Cooper, wonderful looking family there. So that's Kendall. Then we've got the big twist of the episode. Got to talk about that, which, um, you know, let's talk about the actual daily challenge first, and then we'll talk about the twist since the twist is at the end of the daily challenge, the daily challenge itself, overall grade for the daily challenge. I would say I'm going to give it a B plus. I'm going to put it at the high end of the B range because I really, I really enjoyed uh, this challenge. I'm going to guess that consensus out there might be slightly lower than I am on it, but I'm giving it a B plus very, very good challenge. Uh, physical water element, dash of heights thrown in, nice puzzle that should be done fast. And that's the key is I like when the puzzle is something, when they're going to do the physical with a puzzle, there's kind of two halves to it. You got to do something physical, then you got to finish the puzzle. I like when the puzzle is one that is very capable of being done fast and almost to the level of saying should be done fast because it sets up the loser. You know, no one's going to not finish it. No one's going to take you know, 35 minutes with it and be like, give up or time out or anything like that. It's going to be, everyone's going to do it pretty fast and we're going to move through these teams very quickly. And it's going to be the one person or the one team that, you know, takes four minutes instead of two minutes. And I just kind of like the pace of that a little better. And I would, it just kind of, I don't know. I bet if I was doing it, if I was actually there partaking in the challenge, I feel like I would like that better and it'd be more suspenseful and, you know, exciting and everything like that. So liked all of it, liked that they have to jump off the 30 foot. They can get, you know, they can take the time to climb down a shitty ladder to the 15 foot if they want to waste, you know, 45, 60 seconds and jump from a little bit lower. Um, and then, yeah, so B plus overall, only Jasmine and Casey go lower, but they do jump. So hats off to them. Everyone jumps, including Casey, who, uh, you know, yes, she goes to the lower one, but she has, clearly has no problem. She's like, I'm, you know, I'm here to do this stuff. And so, you know, she did it once. She then didn't do it the next time. And now she's, she's two and one right now going against her fear of heights. So good job by her, by Jasmine, by everyone. They get the jump. Everyone completes the puzzle. They all dive down, get the puzzle pieces. They all get up. They all complete the puzzle. So TJ, while he doesn't say it, has got to be impressed, you know, from where we were in episode one, where he's kind of like, you guys, you're supposed to be all-stars. What's going on here? This is pathetic to this performance, the best of the season as a group, for sure. Um, and again, 15 feet is a lot deeper than I think a lot of people give credit for. Maybe I'm just trying to justify it in my own mind of thinking that how hard that would be for me personally, when it, everyone else, you know, all these people in their thirties, forties and fifties have no problem with it. Um, but impressed that they all, that they all completed it. I would have assumed if you, when he explained the challenge, I thought for sure someone wasn't going to finish at least once we found out that everyone had to do two puzzle pieces, which was a key rule that was not explained, but eventually implied that, you know, one person couldn't just swim and get all four of them. If someone was a way better swimmer than their partner. Um, so impressed overall B plus daily challenge, liked it. We get to the end and we find out the big twist. So let's talk about that. Now the partner's, they're paired up for the rest of the season. They're told beforehand, you got to get in pairs and make a good choice. And they get in the pairs. We have the moment of, you know, a few people go right immediately to each other. They're already standing next to who they want. Brad and Jody, Darrell and Janelle are pretty quick to like, yep, we're together. Nehemiah, Melinda, very quick to be like, oh, yep, we're together. Um, Casey is has the moment of the season, the moment of her career for her when Tyler, a great competitor, 
comes up is like, Casey, you have a partner? Good. You want to work together? And then Kahada, a great competitor, is like, nope, Casey, you're with me. Too bad, Tyler. Like, you're with me. So having Kahada and Tyler fight over you, got to feel great. Um, but that then leaves uh, Jasmine and Tyler together as a pair. And, uh, you know, they're kind of the last the last choices. And eventually that would come back to haunt both of them, uh, more so Tyler in, in this respect. But as far as this is then made, you know, they do the challenge at the end. They're told this is now your your team for the rest of the challenge. So looking at this first from, let's look at this first from the fact that they even had this twist in the first place. And I will say there has been on this podcast, on social media, on many other podcasts, on all throughout the challenge universe, a lot of discussion of the flagship series versus All-Stars. And there's been a lot of discussion of the many reasons that All-Stars seems to have a higher favorability right now over the flagship. And one of the many parts of that, the opined by many of the OGs and legends, both in the game of All-Stars and just talking about it outside of the game, has been that it's back to being a simple thing and that it's more focused on the people and the stories and the, you know, the nostalgia of it all and the fun time and the vibes. And it's not, you know, what the main series is where it's all convoluted and complicated and we don't know what's going on anytime, but they're bringing the big twist to all stars. They're going, you know, they're just switching things up right in the middle, completely switching the format of the show and gotta just say, you know, be careful producers, um, you know, I like this one independently in a vacuum on its own. I like this. I'm okay with this. Let's see some pairs. But you're already, you know, five, you know, 15 episodes in. You're adding to the whole All Star series in general. You're start. You're gonna add a big twist. You're starting to go down the road that so far has not, uh, you know, has eventually it bared fruit originally on the flagship show. But it nowadays is something that a lot of people think are is hurting the flagship show and are opining for, can we just have myself very much among them? Can we just have a series, a, a season where it's just your pairs? These are the teams the whole time, or these are teams the whole time, your individual, the whole time, no big, big change of format types of twists. So careful producers, what you're doing. Let's talk what it actually means for this game in general. We allude to it before. The, I guess the easiest way to phrase the question is, does this help or hurt the King's Palace? And how does it affect all of the alliances in the house? So starting with the King's Palace, which again, Letarian, Tech, Nehemiah, Melinda, those four, well, you've got Nehemiah and Melinda paired, so they're even more together than they were in the first place. And then by the end of the episode, Letarian has Jasmine as his partner. Tech has Ayana, who it should be said, Ayana makes it known. I want Tech mostly because I like looking at him. So uh, watch back there, Tech. She's coming for you. <laughs> um, but that is this. does this mean then where are the alliances going to fall? I would assume Ayana, who we haven't really seen. You know, we've seen her have good relationships, positive relationships with plenty of the people in the house, but we haven't seen her necessarily like be a part of any strong alliance or have any number one or number two type of people in the game. She's one of the few people left in the game that is kind of a free agent more or less as far as alliances go. And so I would assume she is, you know, with tech going to very much be voting with and supporting this alliance. Jasmine is the big swing. Jasmine now with Letarian, if she wants to really fully join up, not with her part, just her partner, but her partner's alliance, could she then bring John A, who the two of them, Cancun background, working together? Can Jasmine and John A and Ayana all three join these other four? Now you've got seven people out of the 14, you know, voting with you. Or Jasmine and John A kind of still doing their own thing. Is John A, no matter what, going to be with MJ? And it's going to be eight to six. And the one side, other side's going to win out when MJ, Darrell, Kahuta, Brad, those four were, you know, are, were known to be working with each other. So then, and you know, Janelle is going to be working with Darrell. We knew that before. Now they're partners, so that's solid. Brad and Jody, they were going to work together before. Now they're partners, that's solid. Kahuta's got Casey, who was a little bit of a free agent as well, but was a little more friendly with that group. And then MJ, and has John A. And so it's like, all right, well, they've got they've got eight. So it's kind of eight to six with Jasmine and John A. Now being clearly these swings in the middle of, 
you know, are they both going to go with their partners and their partner's alliance? Is there any way that we can get this to seven to seven by Jasmine being like, we should ride with King's Palace over here. Jeanne, you should be with me. Is there any bit of then Jeanne being like MJ? We're mean you are the swings here or Kahada and Casey, you're the swings. Cause I think Darrell, Darrell, Janelle, Brad and Jody, that's locked. That's locked down. Those four are absolute locks as are the, you know, the four of the King's Palace, absolute locks. Um, but how can they swing this middle? It's very, it's very even right now. So it's going to make for a good, exciting, suspenseful, strategically rest of the show. Hopefully final storyline then to quickly touch on is the arena itself. We only get one matchup with Kendall being DQ'd again. Jasmine have to be thanking her, thanking her stars. Um, I'm interested to know, knowing the very little we do about how the production works and how, you know, this is all very, very pre-planned and we've cited this one interview and one comment a lot, but I will cite it again. Uh, at the beginning of Spies, Lies, and Allies, Ryan Ryan Smith, I believe his name is, I always forget, um, even though it's like the most simplistic uh, common name there's ever been. Um, I think it's Ryan Smith, uh, the executive producer of Spies, Lies, and Allies, talked about the idea that anything is, you know, the how much the producers are playing a part, how in advanced all of this is laid out and the only time they change anything is when there basically is when an injury and he cites in spies lies and allies when anisa got hurt we simply just the the elimination was already set up but we we tried we found a way to change it from a two person to a one person elimination so with that knowledge we assume that this was always going to be pole wrestle no matter what although you would say if they had to alternate from some two person thing to a one person one that the easiest alternating possible is, well, we only need a pull for the other one. Literally, we need one very small piece of equipment that we have at the ready. So if we want to scrap whatever else was built and just put that, that's fine. Because they've definitely, you know, we're never ever, I hope, seeing a hall brawl on All-Stars. They've they've allowed it to be very, very physical, but they're, you know, they're not putting football pads on on this this series. They're not they're kind of eliminating a little bit of the physicality, which is the correct thing to do from the flagship show. So I wonder if it was always going to be pole wrestle. And if, if, you know, if Jasmine and Kendall, were going to have to do a pole wrestle. And if it was going to be, we, we don't know now from a format perspective, is it, you know, if Kendall would have been there to perform, if they both, they all do pole wrestle, is it, an individual Jasmine and Kendall do their own individual match and Latarian and Tyler do their own match. And the winners of each are now partners the rest of the game. Or is it a partner version where they alternate and, you know, Tyler and Jasmine have to win two rounds total out of three or three out of five or whatever it would have been. So we still don't have a hundred percent now know the format of how I assume it's always going to be a uh, pair actual pair versus pair and not individuals and changing the teams if it's individuals and the two winners are now a new pair then and they go full double agent spies lies and allies i think there's going to be a massive outcry <laughs> by people so hoping for their sake they don't do that but we get a pole wrestle obviously the grade for the elimination is an a plus pole wrestle almost always gets an a plus and it's when it's a when it's a great one, which this was a great one, uh, it of course gets an A plus. Absolutely brutal, a true heavyweight matchup. Um, and man, Latarian now twice in a row, two seasons in a row that he gets uh, to he gets the honor of going in and doing the game that is tailor made for him. This could not play to his strengths anymore. I would say the three the three things you need in pole wrestle more than anything else. Outside of, yes, if you have like a jujitsu background or a wrestling background, very, very helpful. But if if you didn't grow up doing one of those things, the three main things, strength, heart, and aggression, um, you could substitute, you know, endurance, heart. I'm, I'm calling it heart because in this one, it's it's not actually your endurance. It's how much you're willing to, how much pain and suffering you're willing to take. So strength, heart, aggression, Blitarian's got all three of those in spades. Um, I would find it hard-pressed to find anyone, an all-star, certainly, that's going to beat him in this game and very few people that I would consider a threat to beat him, even in the flagship. So, brutal matchup between the two. Cannot believe that he found the alignment, the configuration, and then the strength to still slam Tyler into the ground multiple times. 
not nearly, thankfully, thankfully for Tyler's body, who, which I'm sure is very hurt and beaten up as is Letarian's after this, but not quite as horrendously as Letarian slammed Ace into the ground over and over and over on the first episode of All-Stars 1. What a, a welcome to the world that was for All-Stars when that happened and was just terrifying and exhilarating to watch at the same time. This was very much of that. Um, you know, Tyler puts up an incredible fight, hell of a fight. I found it interesting. This is the first time I think maybe in history they've ever had, you know, the, the pull with the kind of zigzag pull, if you will. So that each person had clear kind of handholds to hold onto, but allowed for you to kind of wrap an elbow in one of those little, in one of the little crevices there and little holds there. Um, Tyler ultimately got good position multiple times, got it where, you know, Letarian was on his back with the pole on his chest and just couldn't find a way to, to get it, to get a, get a round win. Um, kept finding himself even in that good position, having both hands on the very end with Letarian still having hand, you know, end and middle and a, just a much more solid grip. And uh, just overall, you know, Letarian, Letarian gets to win. We got to say goodbye to, my my favorite cast member from this season and most any season almost he's on i you know if you listen to the preview extravaganza for the season i was as excited about anyone it was tyler and thought he had a great performance in these six episodes i think he's going to be sorely missed in the house uh, as always the people that are the most fun in the house have a big advantage in the game and also just have a big a big place in everyone else's hearts, uh, those watching included. So we got to say goodbye to Tyler and to Tundra, I guess, is now we're saying goodbye uh, to her as well. So goodbye to a fan favorite, a podcaster's favorite. Hope, very, very much hope to see Tyler on these All-Star seasons, many to come, uh, knowing that he's a teacher out in the real world, just, you know, producers, you know, film this, film this stuff in the summer, come back every single summer. Maybe that's every other season, whatever it is, but, uh, hope to see Tyler back more with that. We talked to the arena daily challenge partners, Kendall Kings palace. I think that's pretty much all the storylines I've got down here. So let's then move into the award segment and hand out some hardware for the best outfit moment, quote MVP and all of that good stuff. Hardware time. We start, as we have started every episode this season, with the best fit, the best outfit of the episode, which at this point, we might as well just go ahead and, you know, we've said over and over, this was essentially made just to comment on all of Tech's wonderful outfits. We're going to go ahead and just uh, officially name this award the Tech Money Award for the best fit of the episode, and Tech is a nominee once again um, for his arena garb. Not in the arena this week, so he gets to gets to put on one of his best outfits for it um, and stand up there on the podium looking great and fresh in the pattern button-up over the white pants and sandals. Just looking amazing. No wonder Ayana wants him as a partner just to look at him more. Very, very fair assessment there from her. Also nominated, MJ. For a very simple look, but a very effective one, the classic MTV shirt. There's a few kind of classic, there's a lot of 90s uh, stuff that floats around on these seasons. There's a lot of classic MTV uh, wear that I don't know if these people still have from back in the day or they were provided some of them to wear. But MJ, the combo of his classic, like M- by classic MTV, I mean like the logo on the front, it's a white tee with the like kind of classic bubbly type of MTV logo on the front, really, really big all across the front. That with just the hair he's rocking and the different types of headbands he throws on to kind of poof that hair up even further, let it fall down a little bit, everything about it, it all just works. It looks great. And But the third nominee and the winner of the Tech Money Award for the best fit of the episode is Brad, who <laughs> um, Brad makes some choices in his, his time and power in this episode. And it starts, we get pieces of the outfit one at a time that comes together in the arena. But in the selection process, I wrote down first that Brad, just the gall of wearing the knee-high plain white socks with sandal, he might he, he might have tennis shoes on at that point, um, in like the gym shorts and the tank top. Just, just having those knee-high socks on, he was already getting nominated for this award. It was just a hell of a look to be sitting in the power chair and rocking those socks. But then we get to the arena, 
and he's still got the knee-high socks on, st- still got the just the shorts on, so you can see the socks in full effect. But then he's also he's got the black tank with the white bucket hat that is way too small for his head. <laughs> in the combo of that small white bucket hat with that big old amazing beard of his, which is commented on multiple times this episode, as it should be every episode, it's unbelievable. Uh, the the small white bucket hat, the beard, the black tank, the knee high white socks, it, it it's it's a it's a look for sure, and it uh it is it is the winner of the for this episode of the Tech Money Award for the best fit of the episode goes to Brad for that arena look. Hats off to you, Brad. Then best moment of the episode. A lot of nominees here. Five of them, in fact. The first one, the very open of the episode, the King's Palace dancing in victory, talking straight to the camera, doing their toast. Loved, loved, loved every moment of that. Then the second one, um, which I, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't think it's going to win the award for the best moment, but it might have been my personal favorite moment of the episode. So yes, I am clearly objective about this stuff. I don't just pick my favorites. I pick the ones I think deserve to win. But my my favorite probably was John A attempting to get on the floating flamingo. These are the little moments that I mentioned at the very top of this. They do such a good job of fitting as much in as possible on this very, very quick pace, this plot heavy episode by episode, finding the little moments that are still just so much fun of Jasmine and Ayana are up on the balcony chatting, calling down to John A, who's trying to just have a nice little float sunbathe in the pool and trying to help her. Like, how do you get on a floating flamingo? Do you, do you put your feet around the neck of the flamingo? Do you just lay flat in the middle of it, like on your back? Are you supposed to lay on your front? How do you do you paddle it all in? What how do, how does this work? Them trying to give her instructions which amount to all it needs to is just just get on. Like it, it floats, sit in the middle, you'll be fine. Um and then her finally being like, "Okay, okay, okay, I'll I'll get on." And jumping on and immediately flipping the whole thing. <laughs> over and I think she had a drink in her hand when she did it so hopefully that probably ended up all in the pool um I forget if she put it down beforehand or not but the whole thing is just hilarious and fun um and the type of moments that I'm here for over and over and over on this show the flagship show any any challenge show there is then third one Kendall's call home we talked about before but absolutely adorable and wonderful and a good little heartwarming look into her life outside of the game. So that was a great moment. Then the 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 fourth and fifth nominee, the fourth one, TJ revealing partners for the rest of the season in the twist. It's a big twist. It was unexpected. It's definitely a big moment of the episode, certainly. So it's nominated. And then the fifth and final nominee, anytime we get a pole wrestle, it's one of the best moments of the episode. It's one of the best moments of the season. This one, And when it lives up to it, it is one of the best moments of the season. This one certainly was that. It was absolute brutal battle of two warriors, and it wins the award for the best moment of the episode because I just get... I am one of those people that maybe you as I always break this show down into the sport in the show. I'm one of those people that loves the sport side as much or more than the show side from time to time, or I just get so geared up when, you know, this was one of those, I stood up out of my chair when they started this pole wrestle. Cause I was just on, I was beyond on the edge of my seat. I was so into it. Um, and I uh, think that it has the ability to have those kinds of moments and some people that just don't really even care about the sport side of this and just want the show stuff and want John A flipping the floaty flamingo. I'm there for that t- too, obviously, but uh, the best moment of the episode was the pole wrestle. So that is that best quote. We then got five nominees, three of which are Letarian. So let's go ahead and get the other two out of the way because Letarian's g- going to win. We just have to figure out which one of Letarian's many Wonderful quotes and comments from this episode are going to win. So Tyler, with respect, does get nominated for the <laughs> commenting on himself jumping into the into the cenote and swimming through the cenote and everything that went with it. At thinking, you you know, I'm a beautiful gazelle, but really, honestly, if you really look it over, I'm a big sweaty musk ox. So he makes that comparison and analogy. Let's hear that from him himself. In my head, I feel like I'm a beautiful little gazelle prancing across the Serengeti. But in reality, I'm that big, sweaty muskox near the pond. Oh, she's going down. Then we've got Kahuta commenting on the very same thing Tyler was on Tyler's performance and how 
Tyler, how adept Tyler is in the water, which is very, very true, not just from this moment, but if you remember his career early on, very accomplished swimmer uh, in his in his youth, Tyler was, and was definitely his kind of ace in the hole. The, the reason originally early on people didn't realize how much of a physical threat he was, how great of an athlete he was in his early days on the show because he was such an accomplished swimmer and how much swimmers are like way better athletes uh, than most the rest of athletes in general um, and kind of comments on how amazing Tyler is in the water. So let's hear that from him. Now, Tyler is an absolute fish. I checked behind his ears to see if he had those little gill slit things, little water world things behind his ears. He doesn't, but he can make wake in the lake. Making a wake in the lake. Cenote, Kahada. This is a cenote, not a lake. But anyways, both those nominated, but the Letarians win this award. We just got to figure out which one. He has three different quotes that we're going to nominate. First one is when at the beginning, when they're doing their little dance and their celebration, he comments on the odds of ever seeing him Letarian dancing. So let's hear that first quote from him. I dare you to be in a room with Tech and Nehemiah and not want to dance and sing. You've seen me on all these other shows. You ever think that I would fucking dance? You used to be like this with the Three Kings. Now with the Four Horsemen. Horsemen. We let them run. Four Horsemen. Four Horsemen. <laughs> then his second nomination for Quote of the Week is what he came to the challenge to do. And I believe, I didn't go back and double check, but he said something very similar to this the first time around in All Stars 1. But I'm glad we got to hear his his goals, his objectives for this season again. So let's hear straight from Letarian himself what he came to All-Stars 2 to do. The thing about the King's Palace and the love that I get from Melinda and Tech and Nehemiah is unmatched in this house. Keeping this experience going is amazing. But I didn't come here to have a good time. I came to bust people's ass, win this money, go home. Definitely busted some ass on this episode. And then third and finally, he immediately after the elimination, he's won. He's super sweaty. He's still got adrenaline coursing through him. He's hyped up. He does his little post-game interview moment. And he talks about if you're going to face him in anything, let alone in in a challenge elimination, win or lose, you're going to get something. And Letarian, what are they going to get? Anybody in any challenge, in any elimination, for now and forevermore, if you come for me, you're going to get me. That's it. Point blank, period. I'm not bragging. I'm not boasting. But you're not going to come for me and me not give it to you. Win or lose, I'm giving you the fucking business. Is that a goat? That right there. The win or lose, you're going to get the business. That alone might have won quote of the week, but then adding on the very end when after he's done saying it, there's some animal noise in the background. He just turns, is that a goat? I just makes a good, a great quote followed by a nice little funny impromptu weird thing that happens. So that's your winner. Letarian quote of the week, whichever one you want to pick good by you. I'm going with win or lose. You're going to get the business. Letarian's quote of the week, and he's also the episode MVP. Tyler gets some votes, and if this was a fully biased, again, I'm super objective about this stuff, guys. If this was biased, Tyler would get the episode MVP on his way out because he was my favorite on the season. But Tyler got some votes. Jasmine gets some votes. Kendall gets some votes. But Letarian gets the win. His alliance is starting to do what I thought they were not going to necessarily do. They are still getting targeted the way I thought they would, but they are winning and winning and winning, and he wins in impressive fashion. He gets to do what he is best at. Uh, puts on a hell of a performance, beats a hell of a competitor in Tyler, uh, and it shows clearly multiple different times why he would be the best teammate in this game, maybe in the history of this game, with how much he's talking up Kendall while she's there, how much he's talking up immediately Jasmine when they are partnered up at the end. Letarian is your episode MVP. So those are your awards. Letarian, the MVP, he also had the best quote. The best moment was pole wrestle. The best fit went to Brad. Now let's move into the final portion of this podcast, update those power rankings, and talk about some season-long predictions. 
So with our power rankings, we are going to have to make a slight a slight adjustment here. Now that we're in pairs, no more. And assuming TJ is actually going to keep his word, and he did. They did make his wording explicit in saying for the rest of the season. So it seems like they were, you know, not until I tell you otherwise. But like this is this is how we're doing the whole rest of the thing. So I assume. A pair of people is crossing that finish line in that final and winning that $500,000 between them. So instead of individual male-female power rankings, we're doing team power rankings until until TJ tells us otherwise. So we've got seven teams left. We're going to go ahead and just rank them one to seven. Why do a top five when there's only seven? Might as well just some we you know someone's got to be last for this moment. And so at the top. No, no surprises here. They were both at the top of the individual power rankings. Now they're a team and they just won another daily challenge. Brad and Jody are obviously far and away the team to beat. And I think legitimately far and away. I don't think anyone else is even close to them. I think they're going to potentially win. Uh, I mean, for the betterment of the show, I hope they don't just win every single daily challenge, but it feels like uh, outside of just a straight up like just a puzzle all we're doing today is a puzzle fair game for everyone if 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 there's a big physical element at all feels like they're going to run away with it Jody and Brad number 1 Janelle and Darrell number 2 they do lose the small small advantage lost from them of no one really knows necessarily yet or was to from the outside with the edit that we're getting no one yet knows that they're close and that they know each other from way back, like outside of the world of reality television and the challenge and everything else. But now that they're partners and they're partners for good, the idea of them working together is obvious because they're partners for the rest of the game. So they do lose that tiny little advantage, but I think, uh, you know, Janelle is the only other one left, I think on, in, in the same stratosphere as Jody physically on the female side. And I think Darrell, there's more, the male side's a, a lot closer Physically, I still think Brad is is kind of above everyone else, but Darrell is right there with them and is just playing such a confident game and a fun game. So Janelle Darrell, number two. Melinda Nehemiah, number three. Very impressed with her performances all around and obviously leading, you know, the, the if their alliance is the one that wins out, they might should maybe should be number one on this list because I think they're the best team within their own alliance. Number four, Janet and MJ, solid team. They're kind of, as we talked about, that float vote. I don't see them necessarily getting voted in right away until, I guess, maybe being in that middle spot maybe means you're targeted by both sides. We shall see. But they're in fourth. Ayana and Tech in fifth. Jasmine Letarian in sixth. Casey Kahata in seventh. Mostly Jasmine Letarian, Casey Kahata, I see as being um, the targets right away. Uh, if, you know, if uh, if Nehemiah, Tech, or Letarian doesn't win, the daily challenge. I think Letarian or Tech and Ayana are gonna be the. I should maybe actually have Tech and Ayana a little lower because they're both solidly in the alliance, and maybe Jasmine wins over John A, MJ, some other folks. But uh, yeah, you could you could really change four through seven in any real order you want to. But that's the one I went with. Jody and Brad have to be number one in my mind. Janelle, Darrell, Melinda, Nehemiah have to be number two and three. The rest, the other four, you could put them in any sort of way, depending how the alliances shake out. They could go any sort of way. But John A, MJ, Ayana Tech, Jasmine Letarian, Casey, Gahada, that is your power rankings. As for predictions, we did take a big hit in our season-long predictions on this episode. At the beginning of the season, we predicted before this whole thing even started, the first to go home, we got that wrong episode one and we predicted all 10 finalists in the two winners our two winners brad and jody are still in play and are now partnered and now the idea of both of them winning is very much in play and i feel great about that bet i would continue to bet hammer that bet and place more and more on it the more i could but as far as our 10 finalists tyler and kendall both go home this episode they were both in our predictions. so at best we're going to go seven out of ten but we also within that 10 don't have partners necessarily matched up we've got Brad, Darrell, Kahuta, Jody, and Janelle are both, you know, so Brad, Darrell, Jody, and Janelle, they make it good, but we got Kahuta, Jasmine, and Melinda, who none of them are partnered together, so, um, you know, best case, we're going to get, let's hope we get five out of those ten, but our season-long predictions, we make one every week, we add to the list up through, we're going to do up through episode 
seven. So we'll make a new one here now. We'll make a new one next week, and we'll have seven season-long predictions, and they're looking good so far. We said we are on or in the water 50% of the daily challenges. We're now four out of five, so that one's looking like a lock. Actually, is a lock if there's only going to be eight or nine. I guess not quite a lock yet if there's nine daily challenges. No, there's only going to be eight at most, so we're already there. We that one's, a, that one's a winner. I can't do quick math in my head, but now in the moment, I'm doing it again, and boom, that one's a win. Post episode two, we said Life Shield be used at least 50% of the time. We're now seven out of eight. That one's essentially a win too. Darrell doesn't see an elimination. So far, so good. Key West, duo would become the swing votes. Tyler and Janelle, that one officially is no. They did not. Tyler is gone. So we got that one wrong. Three King Alliance would get worked by Brad, Darrell, and their alliance. So far, although they have not been eliminated, they have continued to get thrown into elimination and elimination after elimination. So, so far, I would say they are kind of getting worked by Brad and Darrell. We will see where it ends up. That'll be more about who goes home when. As for our new prediction, I did not actually remember to make one before I started recording. So I do have to do this straight up off the top of the dome in the moment. And so I am going to say that I'm going to go with... Uh, MJ and John A flip and are and join the other side, the other team, and do flip the alliance sometime in the next two episodes here. Either next episode is going to be the prime moment for it, but Jasmine being with Latarian, I think, is going to pull John A, and MJ being at the bottom potentially of his alliance is going to maybe pull him. So I see MJ and John A flipping on the Brad. Jody, Darrell, Janelle, Alliance, whatever they're, if they ever give themselves a name, they're probably too smart to do that. But if they ever do, MJ, John A flipping on that Alliance. That is our new prediction of the week. And that for now is all for this episode and this podcast. So we're in the back half of the season. There's only, we assume, seven, eight, nine, ten, four episodes left of All-Stars. We will continue to cover them all every single Thursday. We will be back next week to Thursday. There's no more big movie premieres the next few weeks, at least, uh, that I, I'm dying to attend. So we will be back to our regularly scheduled Thursday afternoon, probably even a little bit earlier now with, uh, well, maybe, maybe not next week. We still got to watch the Spies, Lies, and Allies reunion and maybe film that night, that late Wednesday night. But I'll be able to get up earlier on Thursdays once Spies, Lies, and Allies is totally, totally done. So We'll be here Thursdays. We'll be back next Tuesday with a review preview focused mostly on All-Stars. Maybe a little bit of uh, Spies, Lies, and Allies or just general challenge news mixed in there, but mostly on All-Stars. At least two pods next week, maybe a third. We shall see. Thank you for being here. Hit that follow. Hit that subscribe button. Go over to Instagram. Follow us there at Challenge Historian. Appreciate you following, listening, subscribing anywhere and everywhere that you do. Thank you so much for that. Have a wonderful weekend to all of you. I will talk to you next week. Until then, peace. Is your business advertising on the hottest marketing channel of 2023? Create a podcast advertising campaign in a matter of minutes and reach more than 92,000 shows only available to buy through Acast, including huge hits like WTF with Mark Marin, On Affairs is Unqualified, and top publishers like the BBC and The Economist. With Acast's self-serve ad platform, you can take advantage of our exclusive content and reach a captive audience no matter where they're listening. From selecting your target audience to creating and launching your campaign, Acast platform makes it easy to connect with listeners all in one place. Have your business heard on the world's most premium podcast network. Visit go.acast.com slash advertise.